Welcome to Love String, love stories that tie us all together. I am your host, Rachel Fiorello, a true believer in love and now a dedicated teller of love stories. In episode four of season two, you'll meet Sarisha and Nate. They walk us through the coming together of their two different cultures to create one beautiful love story. So sit back, open up your hearts, and get ready to fall in love. Hi, Sarisha and Nate. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. All right. So I want to jump right into your story. I am really interested to hear how this all came about. So if you guys want to just kind of start me off and tell me a little bit about your individual upbringings and what, you know, your background is like, what your cultures are like, and and we'll kind of start there. All right. Well, I'll start then. Uh, my name is Nathan Rudder. <laughs> Uh, I was born uh, in Meriden, Kansas. Well, I was born in Topeka, Kansas, but I grew up uh, my entire life in Kansas. So I'm, I'm a Midwest guy, a small town. My hometown had less people than my freshman chemistry class. Uh, so it was, if, you, if that gives you any sense uh, of how small my hometown was, uh, you know, pretty average upbringing, uh, you know, Country, country uh, upbringing, you know, did a lot of uh, outdoor stuff as a kid, um, had great parents, um, you know, have one sibling and, you know, went to college in Kansas. After I left college, I stayed in Kansas for a while. Uh, so, you know, pretty much a, a Midwest upbringing until about my mid 20s. Uh, I'll turn it over to my wife. <laughs> Mine was very different. That's the understatement of the year. Nate grew up in a very small town, and I grew up 20 minutes outside of the fourth largest city in the country. So that in and of itself was a big culture change between the two of us. Um, But I grew up, the biggest thing, the biggest difference is that I grew up in an Indian family. And I was born and raised in Texas, but that was only is only a part of who I am. A major part of my upbringing revolved around being in an Indian American household, which you have to make that distinction because there is a significant culture associated with people who are from India, but raise their children in America. There's a whole culture. And, you know, we're getting a little bit of a glimpse of that now in pop culture. But for me, growing up in the early 90s in Sugarland, Texas, um, where diversity was all around me, in particular Indian people, which was a significant difference for Nate because it's probably important to mention that I'm not Indian. Oh, yeah. uh, I grew up in you know average Joe white guy household. That's probably not politically correct, but good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I did not grow up that way, but I did grow up thinking of myself as an American. Um, but it wasn't until you know. I met Nate that I realized I very much lived a different life than he did. I mean, my brother, I have an older brother. My parents um, immigrated here in 1970. So while they were in their, you know, early twenties and moved here, they're, you know, they primarily were raised in a country very far away with very, very different standards and culture. So they were battling this. How do I raise a child in one country when I, when I was raised in a different country? So that fell onto me. So that was the biggest difference between Nate and I was just our upbringing was very, very different. So then take us to, you have these completely different upbringings. The guy that's never been out of Kansas, where do you, where does this all come to fruition? 
Well, we both got hired to um, start up a company in Kansas City, in Wyandotte County in particular, which is a very different part of Kansas City. And um, we served a very low-income population, and we were both hired to do a job, and we worked with kids. I loved this job. Nate, how did you feel about this job? It was not for me. It was not for him, but I loved it because <laughs> it let me work with people, and it let me be in the community. And we both met on November 1st. 2005 on the first day of work at 8 30 in the morning we were both part of a group of people who started this new company or this new branch of the company i guess i should say i know you remember dates but that in particular was meaningful because it was the first day for me to start a job in a new town that i'd literally moved to the night before um and not knowing anyone so that was a little bit crazy i was a a probation and parole officer before uh, I went to work at the place that Sarisha and I met. Um, so yes, it was it was very different, and I was coming in with a very different perspective. Nate, you're coming from this small town country upbringing, and Sarisha's coming from this you know large, populated, very diverse city. What was that initial meeting like? And also, in addition to that question, where does this love come in? Like, was this like an instant connection thing? Well, I'll get to that in a second. I mean, you know, I, I'd lived in Kansas City for a while. And so, you know, I certainly hadn't traveled much or 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 been, you know, abroad. Um, but, you know, the first day of work, for me, it was instant. I mean, when the first time I saw her and when she smiled at me, because she smiled right at me. Uh, it was a beautiful smile. Her eyes are huge and beautiful. <laughs> and when she when she first smiled at me, her hair was long and straight and shiny. And she, I mean, she was gorgeous. And I mean, I didn't know anybody like her really. Like, you know, like I said, I I, I, I have a few had a few friends that were Indian, but not like close friends, more acquaintances, I would say. Uh, and, but, you know, instantly I knew she was Indian, uh, and we talk a lot about it now, you know, there's a lot of people that don't, uh, you know, <laughs> don't know what she is. We laugh about, we laugh about that all the time. People are always kind of confused, especially when they see us together. But for me, it was, I mean, I was instantly, you know, taken, uh, <laughs> with her. Uh, and then we talked and she was into sports and, um, you know, she's not really the outdoorsy sort, but she's put up with, with me. Uh, but you know, just so much about her, this, you know, the way she can communicate the way she, uh, you know, is just so giving and thoughtful. I mean, I could tell all of that right away. Just, I mean, she was, I don't know. I mean, it was just a, for me, it was an instant connection. I, I doubt she feels the same way, but I feel like no matter what I say at this point, like it, it won't compete, but um, it helps to do your hair. I'll say that on one day, one day a year. Um, for me, I always tell him this when we met and you have to understand, we met in this dilapidated hmm. building that like, I think was out of like, not in code compliance. Like it was definitely a terrible building and this dingy old room and so for me, like, I was really nervous. Like, what did I just do? Would I just move to this Midwestern town and to work in the bottom dungeon of this building? And so I think I was really nervous. And so 
my mind was instantly going to like, what did I do? So when I was introducing myself to people, which you also have to understand, it's very difficult to come out and say, hi, my name is Sarisha Nandigari. Like that's a mouthful. So I always got really nervous introducing myself to people because one of two things is going to happen. One, they're not going to pronounce my name right. Or two, they're not going to pronounce my name right. And then they're going to continue to say the wrong name which infamously is always Teresa. And so I, I like never wanted to talk to people or say hi to them because I was scared. So I went up to Nate and I, I remember like I looked at him and I was like, okay, he reminded me, and I tell him this and he hates it, of Brandon Walsh from 90210, which I love Brandon Walsh because he had these like- had some red sideburns. Some sideburns and like I hadn't <laughs> met anybody in- 2005 that had long sideburns and he did and I was like okay this is good but I I said hi my name is Sarisha and he instantly said it correctly which is you know as many people know is a source of frustration for me because so many people cannot pronounce it which is neither here nor there but he said it perfectly and then I told him that I you know I like sports and I had just come from working at a job in sports and he immediately was like oh wow he's like I think we're going to be friends then And so that's kind of where I took it because I didn't know anybody. So for me to be able to instantly connect with someone who was already going to be my friend, it sounds like I'm in first grade, but like you just wanted someone in your corner because I was all alone. This was pre, you know, GPS. So like, this is me, little Indian girl in a very Midwestern town who's carrying around index cards that say home to grocery store home to work because I didn't know how to get around. So to have a friend was just a big deal. And I remember very clearly the first time we had a snowstorm, um, we were just friends and Nate actually volunteered to follow me home on the, on the interstate because I'd never driven in snow before. So, you know, it was obviously to me, the, the most valuable part of our, of our relationship then and now is always that we were, we were friends for a very long time before anything happened. So take me from there. Then how does it turn romantic? Awkwardly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is that is true. I mean, Nate can give you the summarized version of that. There's a whole thing there. But really, it was that we were friends. And then I mean, we were both seeing other people. Now you guys have this friendship, this budding friendship. When does it turn romantic? I mean, you know, let me speak for Nate here by saying clearly it was already there when I guess does it turn romantic for you um so in 2007 I went to Houston because my dad had a serious heart issue came out of nowhere we had no idea that he even had was living with this his whole life um he collapsed in the kitchen and had to be life flighted to a nearby hospital and I was in Kansas City you know, far away from home. My brother was in, um, I think, working in New York at the time. And so we both were trying to get home and fly home. And it was a really scary situation for my family. And during that time, every single day, Nate would call me and check on me and text me all day long because he knew I was sitting in the ICU by myself, you know, or with my mom or whatever, and checked on me. And that was so like that. I remember very clearly being like, I'm so glad he was doing that because otherwise, you just drown in those thoughts, you know, and you get overwhelmed. And so when I came back, um, that ultimately led to my family and I not going on our trip to India that we were supposed to go on. And the reason I mentioned that is because that trip to India was going to overlap Nate moving out of Kansas City and moving to Tacoma, Washington. So he was about, he was going to be moving during that time. So when I left 
I didn't know if I was going to see him again when I came back and he was, you know, obviously I didn't go to India and that was sort of a weird, like ironic point that we didn't get to go to India, but because we didn't go, I was able to say goodbye to Nate. And that's sort of when everything happened was when he was getting ready to leave. Well, he had, he had his stuff packed up and he was ready to go. He was ready to move. He had nothing with him because everything had already been shipped. So he was living in his apartment with like, two plates and a shirt or something. I don't know. I don't know what you have. Yeah, I had nothing. I mean, all my stuff was packed up. All of it got shipped. And that was the last I saw of my stuff. And so enter Sarisha. <laughs> um, so basically, because of that, we I had told him, I wrote him a letter. And I said, you know, I really appreciate everything you've ever done for me. I'm really going to miss you when you're gone. Like, I just don't, I really don't want you to go. But I know that you have to. So I'm going to miss having you around. And it was very simple. We still have the card. And he proceeded to read that card. And I don't know, I guess it dawned on him that he didn't want to go. I don't know. I feel like I can't speak for you on that because that ultimately is what happened. I mean, honestly, I don't think that I ever really wanted to go. I think that it was, I was ready. I was, you know, I think I was done with Kansas City and the Midwest. Um, Maybe because I hadn't gotten what I wanted yet uh, in terms of the person I wanted to be with. And so I was ready to just, I think, move on and move out. Um, and it wasn't until really I knew she felt the same way that I knew that I didn't want to go. And so I guess that means I just gave all of my stuff to, I don't know, some pawn shop or the Puget Sound or whatever, whatever was done with all of my belongings. Um, but it was worth it. I mean, it's just stuff. Um, I didn't really care too much about it. I was, you know, I was a young guy. I was a minimal minimalist anyway, so I didn't really care. Um, but you know, it meant that if I stayed, I would get the person that I wanted to be with. And so, you know, Kansas city and the Midwest didn't look so bad, uh, at that point. Um, until we were both ready to get out of there. (laughs) You literally gave up your life for Sarisha. That's a great way to put it. Well, I shouldn't say your life. Your your belonging. (laughs) Sarisha, you're not dead. Indeed, I agree. I actually, I did did feel really bad about that. I I mean, I'm not heartless. I felt terrible that he didn't have any of his stuff and that he did that. Zero pots and pans. So I went to Target and I bought him a bunch of stuff. And I will say the one thing I made sure I did was I called his university and I had them reissue and reprint or whatever his college diploma, because I have always told him that his college diploma is so meaningful to me because he had to work through college and pay for it himself. And I always found that to be so impressive that I needed him to have his degree because I knew how much it meant to him. And so I did get his, he did get another copy of his, of his degree. So that, that was something I did just to honestly, cause I felt kind of bad. Um, because he had no stuff, but it was worth it. It was great. And it ultimately was really nice um, for me because I didn't know that that was going to happen. I mean, I thought I lost my chance and he was going to leave. And, you know, there was a time that I thought he was. And I remember I flew to Texas for a wedding. And when I left for Texas, he said, I'm sorry, I have to go. And I was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. And the whole weekend, like I was just miserable. And then when I came back, he was waiting at the airport for me, even though I had my car there. So we awkwardly followed each other home. But the point was, he came to the airport to tell me that I decided I'm not going to move. And so, you know, it was a lot of back and forth. And I'm sure for him, that was a really difficult decision to make. 
And obviously one that came with a ton of having to explain it over and over and over again to all the people in his family, his large family that thought he was moving. So, you know, and it almost put a little bit of pressure on us because we didn't get to have like a traditional like first date, you know, where you get to know people. We kind of had to commit to this because he just made a major life change for me. And we've also known each other for two years. So it wasn't like I was, you know, I was just meeting him. I had already known him and I knew him really well. So I don't know, I guess we never really had a, we always say this, we can never think of which one our first date ever was because the transition from being friends to more than that was, it was awkward, whichever. (laughs) (laughs) So, wow. So I guess the moral of the story is never leave anything unsaid, right? Like what if you didn't tell him how you felt, Sarisha? Yeah. What, and what if like everything that happens in, I've learned happens for like, you know, it it opens up something else. So like, had I not gone to Houston for my dad, had my my dad not gotten sick, I would have gone to India. And by the time I came back from India, he would have been gone. And I never, we never would have had that opportunity. So, you know, me just telling him, Hey, you know, I'm really sad that you're leaving led to everything that I have now. So yeah, you just, if you, if you're, if you really know in your gut that you need to say something, you just got to trust it and hope that it ends up the way that it's supposed to end up. Absolutely. So let's go back culturally. Now you guys are dating. Nate, did it ever occur to you like, oh gosh, I'm not sure how my family will take this. I mean, was there ever any concern, you know, thinking about telling your family that you were dating an Indian girl? You know, like, tell me what that was like in terms of maybe your family's, you know, cultural beliefs, if any at all. So, you know, I mean, growing up in Kansas, small town Kansas, and, you know, my family's kind of scattered around Kansas. Now they've kind of, you know, expanded outside the state lines, but there's still a, a good core there, you know, and even with my friends and their family and, and you know, whatever, uh, you know, you heard a lot of racist comments growing up. Um, and, you know, I heard it from family members. And maybe it was just big talk. Uh, I don't really know uh, because it was just kind of what you did and what you said. Um, you know, and, and that even came from, you know, close family members. And so I, I wasn't sure uh, how it would go over. Um, you know, I warned her that, you know, maybe some, you know, maybe they won't be comfortable. I, I don't really know. Um, but you know, we're doing this anyway, because, you know, this is us. Um, and, but my, my grandpa, my mom's dad, uh, I think he was the first one you met, first grandparent you met. Um, and you met at my at your grandmother's, grandmother's funeral. Yeah. That's the first time uh, I met his family was at his grandmother's and funeral. Man, he fell in love with her from day one. And I don't know how long we've been dating couple months yeah a couple months I think I don't remember when she passed but um I mean they my whole family just fell in love with her I mean it's partially because of her personality partially because she's beautiful I think they thought she was exotic because there were (laughs) there were plenty of of cousins and and aunts who will remain nameless who uh you know wanted wanted little brown babies right away uh (laughs) Not awkward at all. No, I think we were in our mid twenties. So <laughs> like nobody was thinking babies at that point, but um, they fell in love with her and 
I mean, I think I fell even more in love with her after that. I mean, cause she was there for everything. Um, and you know, since then they call her, you know, they've called her, you know, a family member since that point. I think they, I think they saw us together and they knew, um, I think they could see how I felt and how she felt. I think we stayed at some, you know, where did we stay? The irony of where we stayed is that we stayed at an Indian owned motel yeah. in the middle of Kansas. Yeah, and so that was a motel in, in Washington, Kansas. But it added such a weird dynamic to that weekend because nobody had ever met me or an Indian person. Sarisha, tell me from your perspective, did you feel the same way? Like, were you hesitant at all in introducing him to your family or concerned at all about I what think, they were I think, think the way that Nate felt about introducing me to his family is completely the opposite of how I felt having to me introducing Nate to my family. And we talk about this a lot with my family too, but on a, on a, on a funny note, it's always fun to like have somebody come in and like it's Indian people are just without question, hilarious without even realizing it. But I was afraid because in the Indian culture, you don't bring somebody home unless you are very sure of this person. You know, like you, you don't just bring home your Friday night date. First of all, you don't have a Friday night date. That's not a thing. But when you bring somebody home, it signifies so much. It's so much heavier than it is, I believe, on the American side of it when you bring somebody home that perspective is, okay, yeah, this is just a person. We'll see what happens. There's no, we'll see what happens when you bring an, a boy home in an Indian household. That means something. And different families interpret that in different ways. But in my family, I had never brought anybody home to meet my family, like in the, in my circle, you know, in Texas. And so when I was bringing Nate home, like, I think before we left, I was like, okay. And I had to word it in a way where my mom was like, well, what are you doing? Why is he coming here? So we had like a kind of a cover, but it was not a cover, but my dad is a huge football fan. And so he has season tickets to the Houston Texans, which of course sports plays a role in here, but Nate's team, the Kansas city chiefs were playing the Houston Texans in Houston. So my dad obviously has tickets. So we bought tickets to fly home that weekend. And I said, Oh, my, you know, my friend Nathan is a big chiefs fan. So he wants to go to the game. And I think I had to say something like that almost just to not make myself freak out because I was so nervous about what I didn't know what was going to happen. I'd never done it before. So when I told that to Nate, like, I'm not even sure if Nate understood how big of a deal that is to bring a boy home. And so that obviously was was really nerve wracking. It was really scary. So, yeah, I was very hesitant to do that. And Nate, tell me in your perspective, like what it was like meeting her family, were you nervous at all? Did you feel there was an added barrier there for lack of better words, because you were white? Uh, I was very nervous. Um, I mean, I'd never even had Indian food before. So, you know, meeting an Indian family and just having no concept of what goes on in an Indian house. I mean, Sarisha tried to explain it to me, but it sounded like a sitcom. So I wasn't really sure that, <laughs> that, that, you know, that was what she tends to exaggerate. So no, that's 100% uh, the truth. I, so I realize that now. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I like conceptually, I had no idea because, you know, every home that I'd ever really been in was pretty much the same, you know, you make the same things for dinner, meatloaf and, and potatoes and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, certainly not chutneys and, you know, vegetable dishes that I can't even pronounce and, 
you know, things like that. But and more than just the food, the customs, like, you know, where I grew up, generally you didn't take your shoes off when you walk into someone's house unless they were, unless your work boots were covered in mud. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was typically the only time that your shoes came off when you came in a house, you know, so there were a lot of things and those are simple things. Uh, but like, you know, I didn't know much about Hinduism at that point. I mean, I was trying to learn a little bit more, but you know, we hadn't really gotten to that point in our relationship, you know, talking about religion. And so I, I don't know, you know, how much research I'd really done. Um, so there were, there were a lot of just custom things that I didn't want to embarrass her. You know, I didn't want to embarrass myself uh, and I didn't want to offend anybody. So that was, that was probably my biggest fear was, you know, potentially offending or embarrassing yeah, Sarisha or her, her family. You know, generally, generally I'm embarrassed just sure. because I'm the nature of myself. But you know, there there is, you know, embarrassing her in front of her parents would have just been devastating to me. And Sarisha, on your side, what was it like? I mean, of course, let's not even considering the circumstances of the fact that you're there for a funeral. But what was it like? What was your anticipation leading up to you know, I was family? I was really nervous because I'd always considered myself to be American. You know, I was like, yeah, I was born and raised in Sugarland, Texas. Yeah, I'm I'm a Texan and I'm an American like those. Well, the Texan part is drilled in your brain from a very young age. But overall, I would my parents even always said, like, you're so American. And I didn't realize how heavy that really must have been for them to say, because it would be like me raising my children in a different country. I don't know. I, I, you feel this patriotic sense to your homeland. And so for me, my homeland was really always America. So I thought going into meeting his family, I was like, Oh, this will be fine. Like I'm, I grew up in America. Like how different could it be? But it was completely different. And the same things he was concerned about, I was concerned about. First of all, he mentioned the food. Food is a big part of both of our families, but the food is very different. My mom is vegetarian. So we grew up in a vegetarian household. Now we ate meat, but it was by choice and it was never in the house. And that still stands today. So whenever we go to Houston or visit my parents, Nate leaves and like, you know, goes and buys a cheeseburger, but he spends his whole time there eating vegetarian food. And so when I, but it was the opposite for me when I went to visit his family, because everything has meat in it. Like even stuff that is, I thought a vegetable still had somehow had meat in it. And I didn't understand how to eat the food. And so I had to ask him, like it was, it's, it's to me less embarrassing for him to ask me because Indian food is not the norm. I'm asking him how to eat like meat and potatoes. Like, how do I, what do I do with this thing? Do I dip it in something? And he's like, no, we don't dip this in something. And I was just so used to eating food that you dip in something. So it was honestly, the food was such a really, it was a really weird thing for me, the food and honestly, the culture and the culture is driven in large part by religious beliefs. You know, I mean, they go to church and they had a service in the church and they were, they're all Catholic. So they like kneel at certain points and then they stand and they all repeat things and they shake hands. And I don't know how to do any of that, nor do I know when to do it. So I'm like looking like, I look like a sheep. Like I've lost every, I'm, I'm walking, looking around like as if I have never stepped foot in America before in my life, even though I grew up in America or what my version of America was, I guess, which is very different. So yeah, definitely different, um, completely different situations yet rooted in the same concept of feeling like you're going to offend someone or do something wrong or not eat the food the right way. I don't know. It was all just very overwhelming. 
I want to jump ahead and get to your wedding because from what I know, you know, Indian weddings are, you know, a few day affair and lavish. And so I want to know about that, but also I want to also know about the meeting of the two families. Did it happen first, you know, at the wedding or kind of fill me in there? I remember they met at, at the engagement. So in the Indian culture, like you referenced, weddings are a big, big, big deal. Um, they're huge. It's an, an industry all in itself. Um, and we we contributed in small part to that. But we have an engagement ceremony because traditionally in India, when this is not the way, obviously, this is nothing traditional. But when two families and two people agree to be married, they have to like, it's kind of like an official recognition, kind of like how America, when you are proposed to, when someone gets down on one knee, that's like your engagement, right? Like that's the part that you solidify that you're going to be together forever. That's your proposal. That's the thing. Like that's the event. Well, in India, they, that can happen. It may happen, but because there are so many weddings that are more arranged, and I don't like to say that word because I don't think it's what people think it is. It's when they agree, they meet, they like each other, they decide they want to get married. They do an official like ring exchange, like a ring ceremony, but it's like basically a mini wedding where you invite everybody, everybody's so excited and, you know, it's a whole big thing. So my parents, I have should preface this by saying I was, I am the first in my family to get, I was the first in my family to get married. I was the first cousin of mine, like on my mom's side to get married. So like nobody had ever done this before. So my mom took this and ran with it. She wanted to do everything. She wanted to have all the traditional stuff. Meanwhile, I'm bringing home somebody who is anything but traditional. So when we had this engagement (laughs) ceremony, we told Nate's parents and they flew to Houston for it. And that's where they met my parents for the first time. Um, Do you remember that meeting? I remember very clearly my cousins were there and for some reason they made everybody line up in height order to meet your parents. And I was like, why are we, what is happening? And we looked like the Von Trapps, like standing in front of the door and like waiting for these people to open the door. And it was just so awkward. And I'm sure your parents must've thought that my family is like a bunch of lunatics. Like who, who stands like that when people open the door? And they were just incredibly awkward. Well, but they also had to do some ceremonial things. Well, I mean, your mom wanted to do some ceremonial things the first so time, to like they, welcome they, her. The first time yeah. they entered her house. So, yeah, that was also very different. Where I come from, it's a handshake and how you doing? Welcome to my home. Yeah. And in the Nandigiri household, it was a it was a lot of. Everything is a ceremony in the Indian culture. Everything is a reason to commemorate. And so the first time they step foot in their their house, they have to offer them something. And it's all rooted in like back in the day they had, they came from such a far away village that they need to give them water. Okay. They didn't come from a village. They came from an air conditioned car right in front of the door. So they're not like famished, nor are they thirsty, but okay. So my mom is looking at me. The number of times my mom looked at me with the eyes that just said like, don't question what I'm doing. Let me do what I want. I'm like, okay. I mean, if you're going to, and that's what I always used to tell Nate, as long as they're letting me marry you, they can do whatever. That only partially rang true when it came to wedding planning, but I um, was just so excited that they were accepting of him. I was very nervous. And again, I was nervous for his parents about nothing other than the food. My parents have been in Houston for a very long time. They're very, very social people, as Nate has gotten to know quite well. 
My dad worked for the city government for his entire career, you know, so they're very familiar with other cultures or they're very much Americanized, but the food was something that they held on to, you know, fiercely. And so for my mom, she was worried about it too. She's like, well, what do I feed them? I don't make meat. And like my father-in-law infamously said to me, before this, I, I don't understand vegetarians. Like, what do they eat? Salads every day? Like, he had no concept of food that didn't have, like, you know, traditional meat and potatoes. Like, he didn't know anything else besides that. So that was nerve wracking. And they, um, but they, the crazy thing about Nate's mom and my mom is as different as they are on paper, in person, they're actually very similar people. Um, and so they had always had a great relationship. They, you know, always really enjoyed each other's company. So I thought that was a really interesting connection for them. Mm-hmm. And his dad, you know, turned out he liked a lot of Indian food that he didn't know he had or that, or he was just, he had enough beer to make him forget what it tasted like. I don't know. Drinking is also a big thing in the Indian culture. And luckily that's also something people in the Midwest share. So that, that helped a lot. So you guys get married, you know, you, I know you move around for jobs and all that. And now you are kind of, you've set up shop in Florida. You guys have two beautiful little girls. Tell me what the thought process was, if any at all, of raising children with two completely different cultures. I think, you know, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily think about the cultural differences anymore because it's just, you know, I'm so accustomed to it now. Um, I love it when the girls are exposed to Indian culture, you know, the more, the better, the more they're um, familiar with their mom's roots. Uh, That's super important to me. I wish there was, you know, I wish there was more places where they could do, you know, more Indian stuff, like learn Indian dance and, you know, maybe more of the music. Um, you know, I think there's enough of my culture, if you want to call it that, uh, <laughs> everywhere. So I don't know that I need to expose them to that. I think there's enough exposure to, you know, I think things that are similar to, to you know, how I was raised. And so I, I like to push more towards you know, the Indian stuff and, and, and being involved in, um, you know, things like that. I think, I think for me, I, I focus a lot of attention on it because I think I harbored this feeling of obligation that I need to be the one that teaches them about their culture and both sides of it. You know, I, I, I teach them about the traditions that Nate grew up with and, you know, what his mom, you know, used to have him do and sort of things that they would do when they were growing up. Um, and that may just also be to, you know, honor her memory and keep her memory alive. But for me, the fact that, you know, I love that my kids like Indian food. I love that they consider themselves to be Indian um, because to me, it's just an opportunity for them to educate people that they go to school with and their families. And, you know, there are now, you know, little kids going, oh, you know, my friend Maya, who's Indian and she, her mom came and taught us about the henna and, you know, and I try to use any opportunity that I can to educate people about my culture, because I think the more, you know, the more, you know, you know, and then you're more likely to be respectful when you feel like, you know, someone that you, you know, you care about that has a connection to a culture. 
Um, and I think for me, anytime we can expose them, whether it's driving down to Fort Lauderdale, yeah. going to the temple and eating Indian food, you know, make a day out of it, just something for them to start to understand. And obviously every year we, um, we see my parents a lot and in the summer we spend a few weeks there and that's really what I, I consider that to be the time for them to experience the, the, the life that I grew up with. You know, my mom will do religious ceremonies and involve the girls and buy them clothes and teach them about, you know, different traditions and, and things like that. So that's it's important. harder. It's harder here to expose them to that because there's just not a, as much um, exposure. I mean, there's not as much diversity, diversity, you know, here in Jupiter. Um not especially not like in Houston. I mean, there's, in fact, I, you know, they make Indian food now at the local grocery stores. There's, you in know, Houston. such a large Indian population in Houston. So it's much harder here, uh, you know, to, to expose them to, to that side of their culture. So we try as much as we can to do that at home. And my parents are a big part of that. So, you know, they've, they've instilled a lot of those values in the girls. What do you guys want people to take away from your love I story? I think for our love story, what I want people to take from it is, you know, you, you can make your life whatever you want. You can, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, being with someone who was raised the same way that you were, because there's a level of comfort there that I completely understand. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think at the same time, don't, you know, turn your back on someone or some idea because it's unfamiliar. You know, the, the lack of familiarity shouldn't stop you from experiencing something because you never know. And, you know, obviously people that know me know that like, I'm always thinking that there's like a connection between things. And so for me, the fact that that year in 2007, so much happened um, that if one thing wouldn't have happened the way that it did, it would have caused a domino effect and ultimately not led me to the life I have today. So sometimes, you know, bad things happen, but sometimes those bad things can be the reason something good happens. And so, you know, just trust that and, and, you know, I guess just put your faith in, in yourselves and hope that it, it'll work out. I think for me, the, you know, don't be afraid of the challenge. The challenge is a part of the fun. You know, it's a part of nothing, nothing worth having is, is easily gotten. For people that listen that, you know, listeners are obviously of different backgrounds. I think a lot of people in my situation, because it's very commonplace now for, you know, Indian people to marry American people. And there's a lot of, you know, integration of that. And it's not such a new thing anymore. But, um, you know, as the Indian person in the relationship, I feel like it's an amazing quality in someone to want to, you know, adopt another culture and support another culture and really learn about it. I mean, when I ultimately did go to India the following year when Nate and I were together, um, Nate was like looking up information about different towns I was going to and what the people there eat and what kinds of things they wear. And so I find it just, it's so nice for me. And it's something that I've always really appreciated and probably never said, but that he really doesn't as, as crazy as an Indian Hindu household can be. He takes it with a grain of salt. And I mean, people in my family, they love him because he tries and he respects it. But he also knows when to make a joke about it and when to laugh and, you know, how how to he was it's appropriate. And I think his ability to mesh with my family has a lot to do with his upbringing, even though it was so different than mine. He was just taught to respect people. And that's something that's so universal. So I think that that's 
that's pretty impressive. Thank you guys so much for kind of diving in and showing us the differences between your cultures and how it kind of blended into this, you know, united, beautiful, beautifully united relationship. You guys are both wonderful people and it's truly like you guys were meant for each other. So thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having uh, us. Thanks for having us. Getting it all out there. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Love String, love stories that tie us all together. Stay tuned for episode five, where you'll meet Jamie. Jamie tells us about her beautiful love story with her husband, Anthony, and how positivity got them through love and loss. If you have a love story you want to share, we want to hear it. Email us at lovestringpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Until then, keep looking for it. Love is all around.